I'm a forensic artist. Worked for the San Jose Police Department from 1995 to 2011. I showed up to a place I'd never been, and there was a guy with a drafting board. We couldn't see them, they couldn't see us. Tell me about your hair. I didn't know what he was doing, but then I could tell after several questions that he was drawing me. Tell me about your chin. It kind of protrudes a little bit, hmm. especially when I smile. Your jaw? My mom told me I had a big jaw. What would be your most prominent feature? I kind of have a fat, rounder face. The older I've gotten, the more freckles I've gotten. I would say I have a pretty big forehead. Once I get a sketch, I say thank you very much, and then they leave. I don't see them. All I had been told before the sketch was to get friendly with this other woman, Chloe. Today I'm going to ask you some questions about uh, a person you met earlier, and I'm going to ask you some general questions about their face. She was thin, so you could see her cheekbones. And her chin, it was a nice, thin chin. She had nice eyes. They lit up when she spoke. Cute nose. She had blue eyes, very nice blue eyes. So here we are. This is the sketch that you helped me create, and that's a sketch that somebody described of you. So yeah, that's... She looks closed off and fatter, sadder too. Mm -hmm. The second one looks more open, friendly, and happy. Mm -hmm. I should be more grateful of my natural beauty. It impacts the choices and the friends that we make, the jobs we apply for, how we treat our children. It impacts everything. You couldn't be more critical to your happiness. Do you think you're more beautiful than you say? Yeah. We spend a lot of time as women analyzing and trying to fix the things that aren't quite right. And we should spend more time appreciating the things that we do like. You are more beautiful than you think, amen? You know, it's, it's interesting because... We tend to see ourselves differently than others see us. And oftentimes, we see, our th we see ourselves the way we think others see us. And we don't realize that they see us even better than we see ourselves. Good morning. What a way to start. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hey, grab your Bibles with me right where you're seated. I just want you to say this with me. This is God's Word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. 
I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Father, I give you thanks, Lord, for this day. That, Lord God, you have a word for your people. And that, Father, as we open ourselves to receive from you, I pray, Father, that you would wear me like a glove. That you would be the substance of everything that's said. That we would, Lord, have heard from you, have been in your presence, have experienced your touch. That we would leave here different than we came in. That we promise to give you all the praise and all the glory. For we ask this now in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. We've been doing a series called, I Love Me. And you know what? It's, it's a strange kind of title because that's not something that even sounds Christian. Amen? Uh, it it kind of even sounds weird. In fact, I'll tell you something. It's not something that rolls off the tongue very easily. If, if I gave you a piece of paper and I said, you know, I had I blank me and I said fill in the blank. Love is probably not the first word that would come to mind. Uh, some, uh, some people would say, I tolerate me. Um, some of you would ask me for more than one blank. <laughs> like, I can't stand me. <laughs> right? Um, I, I struggle with me. Right? And, and so, w- this, this idea, this concept of I love me is kind of very, whoa, what do you mean I love me? Doesn't that sound kind of like, what do you mean by that? And what we've discovered over the last couple of weeks is that God actually commands, oh, this is interesting, God commands us to love ourselves. Um, we've been looking in Mark chapter 12, and I want you to turn there real quick as, we, as, as we're going through this. Mark chapter 12, and... We've been looking at what Jesus said. The situation is uh, that Jesus is answering some Pharisees and Sadducees and they're all kind of questioning Him because He's showing them up. And so they start asking Him a bunch of questions and He's answering them, right? And He's coming back with some great answers. And then, so one of the scribes, scribes are, scribes are these guys that write down everything that happens and write down all the laws. I mean, if anybody knew the law inside out, it was the scribes because they, they were the only, like they were the printing press of the day. Okay, they just copied everything so that you could get it. And so one of the scribes says to him, Hey teacher, what is, catch this, what is the greatest law? Now it's, it's kind of really funny because uh, they had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of laws. And if you've ever read through the book of Leviticus, you could get dizzy with the amount of laws that they had. You know, don't do this, and when you do this, don't do it on this day. And if you do it on this day, don't do it if you're in this condition. And if you're in this condition, then you need to go to this place for three to five days before you can return and do the thing which we told you not to do in the first place. You had to know the law. It was almost like coming to you and saying, Hey, what's the greatest law in America? And you'd be like, What? It doesn't make any sense. It's right. It's not even a, a, a question that makes sense. But Jesus answers and Jesus says, the, 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 the greatest commandment is this, that you should love the Lord, Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that is the first commandment. And the scribe goes, whoa, you know, I didn't see that one coming, but you're right. I mean, seriously, if you, if you love the Lord your God, then you won't have any gods before Him. You won't, you'll keep the Sabbath. You, you know, and He starts going through all of them and says, Hey, you know what? That makes sense. And then Jesus says, And the second is like it. And He says, Whoa, hold on. I didn't ask you for a second. 
I only ask you for the greatest commandment. The. The Jesus means one. Right? Remember that? And Jesus says, yeah, I know you asked me for one, but guess what? The one by itself is incomplete. In other words, you can't do this one without doing this one. You see, if, if, if you claim, hey, I do love the Lord your God, my God, with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, but you don't do part two, then your claim on part one is wrong. Because there are two parts of a whole. Upon these two, Jesus says at the end of the statement, the entire law and prophets are built. Here's what he's saying. You can say you love God, but if you don't love others the way you love yourself, then really you don't love God. That's why John says it. He who says he loves God but doesn't love his brother is a liar. And it's not that he's deliberately lying. It's that he's deceived. Because he thinks he loves God. But if he doesn't love his brother, then he doesn't even know that he really doesn't even love God, even though he thinks he does. Are you with me? And so then, Jesus says, you've got to love your neighbor as yourself. And as we've discovered over the last couple of weeks, that in order to love our neighbor as ourself, there has to be an as ourself in there. That the love yourself is critical to loving your neighbor. I written, uh, you know, how do I uh, love myself? Because the, the, the problem is this. Uh, if, if, I, um, if love means to unconditionally give to somebody else so that their needs can be met and, and I don't really love myself, here's what happens. I end up trying to love you in order to manipulate you to love me so that I can feel loved. Did you get that? But then it get, gets really weird after that. Because you see, here, here's what happens. I, I go, hey man, you know what? I love you so much. Hoping that you will meet some of my needs. Uh, needs like acceptance. And, and if you would just accept me so I can feel accepted, then I can love you more. And the problem with that is that then we start pressuring people to meet needs in our lives that only God can meet. And so we get marriages where both spouses are trying to love each other in hopes that they will love each other back so that they can feel accepted and secure and uh, have purpose and they can feel as if they're okay and they're good. But those are things that only God can really give us. And so we end up with marriages going, well, they are no longer meeting my... All right, you got it. You you know what I'm saying. (laughs) But the truth is they were never meant to meet your needs. In fact, the truth is, if your needs were already met before you got married, then you would be giving, not taking. Are you following this so far? You hear, so, so here's what Jesus was saying. If, if you have a deficit of love in your life, it's difficult for you to give out of that deficit to someone else. Because you're always going to be looking for that return in you. But love doesn't look for a return. Love simply gives. Hallelujah. And so, and so, and so, where are we? We're at this place where now uh, all of us have gone through that. 
All of us have gone through that. What those ladies went through was this kind of physical thing. Man, I think of myself as not acceptable because, you know, my chin or my nose or my this. And, and how they paint themselves is worse off because they see themselves as worse off. But, but here's the truth. This is not just an external issue. This is also an internal issue. In other words, many of us, including myself, listen, we've gone through this or we are going through this. But we've walked through life at some point in our lives or even now, we've walked through a place where we feel we aren't acceptable. Because of something that's wrong within us. And so we know we don't view ourselves the way He views us. Could it be that we are more beautiful than we think. And this is not just a woman thing, by the way. I said, this is not just a woman thing, by the way. <laughs> because us guys do it too, right? I mean, us guys, uh, you know, we've got to get that car. <laughs> because if I get that car, I'm going to look like the man on the road. <laughs> I've got it. Right? And we got we got to get this thing or that thing, all right? And and it's got to be smaller and shinier or bigger or whatever it is. Right? It's got it's got to look a little better than the one we had before and the one that everybody else has, so that we can feel like we, you ever seen that commercial where they're bringing the TV or whatever it is into the guy's house and it's you know on the box it says you know the new two thousand five hundred something and he looks on a billboard and he says just released the new three thousand five hundred and he's like oh man. There's something about us that says, we are better if we have. We are happier if only. We, we are uh, more worthy of whatever it is that we want to be worthy of. If only this was happening. That's why when men meet each other and they say, hey man, my name is such a, hey, I'm, I'm Pastor Che. Hey, what do you do? Right? Why do they ask that? Why don't they say, hey, so, so tell me about your family. No, you know what we want to know? We want to know, what's your position, man? Well, I'm the CEO of the bottle washer, head cook. That's what I do. Because there's something inside of us. There's something inside of us that says, if I can look better, then I'm more acceptable. Are you with me so far? Amen. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13. I want to turn to 1 Corinthians 13 real quick. And as we're going through this, I, I want us to understand, here's, here's the point I want you to understand, that God loves you as you are. And that if we can come to this place of understanding how much God loves us as we are, then we can start accepting ourselves as we are. And that becomes the foundation of a healthy love for ourselves and therefore our ability to love each other. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Um, the Corinthians are this, this group of people who, uh, you know, are in Corinth. And um, Paul was writing to them. And the thing about the Corinthians is that they're Christians, but they're kind of fleshy. They're immature. You know, in Bible school, when somebody got was like caught in sin, we used to call them Corinthians. 
It's just one of those things. And so uh, they were kind of weird. So here it is. It's kind of funny because with the Corinthians, you know, Paul had to explain everything, like get into real details with them because they were kind of slow when it came to really like Christian character, right? And so Paul is saying to them, man, you guys need to love each other. No, all over the Bible, you see, you know, Jesus says, hey, love one another, love one another. You see it everywhere. But with Paul, Paul has to kind of explain love because these guys just don't get it. All right, you tell them love, and then there's something completely different. So, so he starts off, and he says this in First Corinthians uh, 13, verse four. He says, "Love is catch this. Love is patient. Love is patient." Um, so here's a question: Are you patient with yourself? You didn't see that one coming, did you? Are you patient with yourself? Or are you frustrated with yourself? Um, he goes on. Next one he says, he says, love isn't only patient. Love is kind. Um, how kind are you to you? I don't mean how much food you dish out for yourself. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what kind of words do you say to yourself? And what kind of words do I say to myself? Because you know what? Here's what I know and what you know. Sometimes our self-talk isn't really very kind. Here's what I know and I knew. Man, I could have done better at that. What's wrong with me? Man, everybody else coming up say, Hey man, that was a good job. And I'm going, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Right? Am I right? Okay? And if it was anybody else that did it, we'd be, man, man, you did such a good job. And But for us, no, man, you sucked. And I'm not going to jump into love is not full of envy and love, uh, uh, not, but, but here, here's the other one I want to talk about. Listen, listen to this. Love is not rude. And let me tell you something. There are some things I tell myself about myself that I would never tell anybody else about them. Man, I'm like, man, you're stupid. What is wrong with you? That was so dumb. What were you thinking? You know girls don't go for lines like that. That's what we do, right? What we do is we beat up on ourselves and we're rude to us. And we tear ourselves down instead of building ourselves up. Because we just take this liberty. And here's the problem. When we look at this standard of love, we go, whoa, I'm not even measuring up this up to myself. How am I going to be doing this to others when I am not even doing this to myself? Here, here's the other one Paul says. Love keeps, watch this, no record of wrong. How much time do we spend talking about what we do wrong? If I give you a a, a paper right now and I said, Hey, on the left side, write five things about yourself that you would love to keep. And on the right hand side, write five things about yourself that you'd love to change. You know which side you're going to start with? The right, oh yeah, because guess what? You can hit those off. Like, oh man, I changed this, I changed, like, you know, for me, like, you know, I changed, like, four more inches would have been really good. Right? Six more packs. Really, really necessary. I'm kind of waiting for the 70s trend to come back when we can all wear platform shoes. No. (laughs) 
the high hair, just so that there can be this kind of look that maybe he's a little taller than he really is. All right, listen. That ain't going to change, Brother Che. You get no, no, get no, but guess what? You know what? It would be easier for me to write down those five things. What about the things you want to keep? I get, that gets tough. That gets tough right there because the problem is we don't accept us for who we are. You see, the key to loving yourself is not so much that you love God. The key to loving yourself is that you accept that God loves you. Not that he just loves you, but he loves you just the way you are. It's an old Billy Joel song. I love you just the way you are. And if we are convinced, I'm not even talking about uh, just, just knowing it like Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I'm not talking about I'm saying if we are convicted and convinced, if we are without a shadow of a doubt, absolutely assured that God loves me, then I become free to unconditionally love you because I don't need you to love me for me to feel loved. Did you catch that? If I know the source of my love and value and worth is from someone else, then you don't need to affirm me for me to feel good about me. But that's not what our songs teach us. Right? Uh, uh, I can't live if living is without you. Right? Uh, No, 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 no way. No, 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 no way. I'm not living without you. I'm not living without you. Uh, I don't want to be free. I'm staying. I am staying. And you, you're going to love me. to love me so I can feel good about me. I hmm. see, here's the funny thing. If I ask each of you individually, hey, does God love you? You know what you're going to say? Of course you're going to say yes. Of course you're going to say yes. But what, what if I did this? What if I asked you, does God fully accept you as you are? Or is He tolerating you? What if I asked it this way? Is God fully pleased with you right now? Or is He just bearing until you become better? See, that's different right there. Because so many of us feel like, oh yeah, He loves me, but I don't think He's happy with me. Are you with me, somebody? Turn to, with me to uh, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Um, I want to look at something real quick with you. Because, you see, God is so happy with you. God accepts you exactly as you are right now. You say, well, doesn't he want me to change? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you know what? He loves you as you are. He loves you if you change. He loves you if you don't change. You know what won't change? His love. 
That's what won't change. His love won't change. You're not trying to change to earn His love. You're trying to change so that you can become more like Him. But His love for you isn't dependent on whether you look like Him or not. Because you didn't look like Him when He started loving you. Well, yeah. Mm. All right, verse 6, Romans 5, verse 6. For when we were still without strength, this is so awesome. Another way to say it is when we were helpless. In due time, Christ died for who? The ungodly. Christ didn't die for the church people. Christ didn't die for those who got themselves together. And there's so many, there's so many people who are waiting to get themselves together so that they can come to Christ, not knowing that Christ died for them when they were at their worst. Look at this. Uh, Christ died for the ungodly. That's one of the biggest statements in the Bible right there. Christ died for people who were bad. Because Paul goes on to say, For scarcely for for a righteous man will one die, yet maybe perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us. In that while we were what? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Can you put up the New Living Translation of that? While we were still in our worst, while we were still not loving Him, catch this, while we were still not yet changed, while we were worse off than we are right now, God showed us how much He loved us in our worst state so that we would never believe that in any other state He would love us any less. Are you getting this? But God showed, this New Living Translation, but God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still there. Look at verse 9. It says, And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. There's no condemnation because guess what? He already saved us when we were in the worst. So how much more? No. Why are you going to get condemned now? Verse, verse 10, look at this. For since our, catch this word, friendship. <laughs> For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son while we were still His what? Oh my gosh, look. He said, I want you to be my friend when you were my enemy. Know that you've said, okay, I'll be your friend. Why do we think God is saying, I don't like this friendship anymore? Uh, my wife told a story in our staff devotions uh, this week. She said, guess what? You know, these, these two women were interviewed and they didn't hear each other's interview. But one woman was asked about the other woman. Well, one woman was asked about herself and said, hey, what could you do to become a better friend? And so she started listening, man, if it was this, it was that, it was that, it was that. And she started listening to these things. Well, he invited the other woman who was her really good friend to come up. And they said, what could she do to be a better friend? And she said, you know what she said? She said, I love her just the way she is. You know what? That's how God sees you. 
God sees you as, I love you just the way you are. And you're thinking, man, I could be a better friend to God if I was this, if I just did that, if I stopped this, if I was just this, that, that, that. And we end up in a place where we go, I must not be as acceptable to Him. I bet you God is disappointed in me. Look at the last verse. Look at this. So, now we can, listen to this, rejoice in our wonderful relationship with God because the Lord Jesus has made us friends of God. Rejoice in this friendship of God. Listen to me. God has fully accepted you. Turn to the person beside you and say, God loves you just the way you are. So here are three things that you and I can do in order to accept and love ourselves some more. Number one, accept that God accepts you. Accept that God accepts you. God made you just the way you are and He loves you just the way He made you. And I'm telling you, listen, Genesis 1.27 says this, For God created man in His own what? In his own image, and in his image, he created them. Listen to this, listen to this. You are a reflection of God. He's not going to not like you. He made you just the way you are. And he loves you. Uh, the psalmist, I love David. David uh, took that real personally. He wasn't just thinking about Adam. Here's what David said. David said, for I am, catch this, fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and then here's what he says. Marvelous are your works. W what works? Me. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Man, it's like me looking in the mirror and say, man, God, boy. <laughs> Man, you did a good job, didn't you? Hey, hey. Man, God. Woo! Man, marvelous are your works. <laughs> David said, guess what, man? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, man. You don't make any mistakes. You don't create any junk. You didn't make, you didn't botch me up when you made me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And guess what? Then he says, guess what? And my soul knows it. He says, there's something deep inside of me that that can't even be shaken. You can't tell me I'm not worth anything. You can't tell me that I'm valueless. You can't tell me that I'm not special and I'm not precious and I'm not wonderful before the Lord. I know it in my soul. But here's, here's what happens to us. We, so, okay, God, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that you made something. But did you have to make me that way? <laughs> did you have to make me that way? Um, I, I want you to turn to, to uh, Isaiah 45. Because here, here's what happens as you're turning there. A lot of times we become dissatisfied with who we are, how we look, how all the things that are that makes us us. And we end up doing one of two things. We end up either watch this, we end up either thinking we'll be happy if we are like somebody else. Or we think we'll be happy if we are liked by somebody else. We end up thinking, God, if only I had that, or what they have, 
If only I had what they had, then I would feel better about me. Or we end up saying, if only that person liked me, then I would feel better about me. So we either end up in envy, or we end up in people-pleasing. Are you hearing me? And God says, but I'm happy the way I made you. And so Isaiah kind of dealt with this issue. Here's what Isaiah said. This is, this is heavy. It says, uh, woe to him. Or uh, woe means, in this case, it means uh, you're going to be really sad and sorrowful. Sorrowful is him who strives with his maker or who argues, right? Let the potsherds strive with the potsherds of the earth. In other words, this man, you all argue with each other. That's one thing. But watch this. Shall the clay say to him who forms it, what in the world are you baking? Or shall your handiwork say, he obviously, God, you obviously have no hands. Or, or let me put it, uh, and I go, go to the new, new, um, the new living translation. I love, I love this because it, they do it differently. Here's what he says. What sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay pot dispute with the one who shapes it? Just kind of imagine the clay pot talking, right? Stop, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Does the pot exclaim, how clumsy can you be? Look at the next verse. You think that's crazy. Look at the next verse. How terrible it would be if a newborn... Just imagine this, okay? Hospital, doctor, watch it. Pop, here we go. What? How terrible would it be if a newborn baby said to its father, Why was I born? Or said to its mother, Why did you make me this way? <laughs> okay, can you imagine if one of your kids came out and said that? That's crazy right there. Verse 11, verse 11. But he's making a big point. Verse 11. This is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel and your Creator. Catch that. Do you question what I do for my children? Do you give me orders about the work of my hands? Oh man, you say, what? You're questioning how I made you? You don't even know that the reason you're made the way you're made is because I have a purpose for exactly who you are created to be. And if you would just accept who you were, then you'd walk into your purpose. But the longer you stand around looking to try to be somebody else and trying to be liked by somebody else, is the less likely you are to do what I created you to do. This isn't just Old Testament. In the New Testament as well. Romans chapter 9. Look at this. In Romans chapter 9, verse 20. I'm going to throw it up on the screen just so you can see it. But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing form said to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? God says, the sooner you accept that I created you beautiful, and stop looking and comparing yourself to others who are four inches taller. <laughs> the sooner you'll recognize that you are that way for a purpose. Hallelujah. Come on, put your hands together and bless Him in this place. Alright, number one is accept that God accept, accepts you. Number two, accept that God's acceptance is unconditional. 
Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. Unconditioned is hard to understand because we've worked so hard for everything. And sometimes the only time our parents told us they were proud of us was when we accomplished something. And sometimes the only times we got the hug or the only times... Sometimes we never got any of that and we're still working to get it. And so many of us end up in this thing called the performance trap. And it's this trap where we're never ever really good enough to feel like we deserve... Whatever it is that we get. And here's where it gets really tough. Because when you get into the performance trap, you can work so hard and get to the top of your mountain and then realize, whoa, this is the wrong mountain. In other words, you get there and you realize, you know what? I'm still not happy. And what's worse than when you try to strive for the one thing you think will make you happy and when you get it, you're not. That's pretty hard. And so we get this performance trap. And not only are we in the trap, we set the trap for others in our lives. And so they can never be good enough for us. Oh my gosh, right there. I need, a, I need to run around the building right there. <clears throat> so you know what? Our children are never good enough. And our spouses are never good enough. And there's always something more they could have done, should have done. Why didn't you do? If you only did, then it would be right. And we end up in a perfectionistic mindset. And we value ourselves based on our work. And we are afraid of failure. And so we either strive to be the best or we avoid anything that involves risk. And it's all because we don't know that God accepts us just as we are. And His acceptance is unconditional. And it's not based, catch this, it's not based on your potential. It's not based on your calling. It's not based on what you might do for the kingdom. It's not based on who you might become and what you might do and all the plans He has for you. He loves you right now more than He could ever love you ever, ever, ever. He loves you as you are right now. It's unconditional. And here's how I learned unconditional love. I was in the operating room when my three children were born. Uh, different times, not all together at the same time. And, but here's the thing. As each of them were born, you know what I thought? Oh my gosh, that's what a baby looks like. <laughs> Newborn, that's... Ugh, ugh. But you know what, what, what? what's interesting is that they get cuter over a couple of weeks, right? I mean, like, like really... But sometimes I look back at pictures and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> but here's the thing. They were born, they came into my house, and they kept me up at night, and they ate, and they pooped, and I had to change them, and I had to wake up, I had to lose sleep, and I had to do all of this stuff. I woke up in the middle of the night, even when they didn't wake up, just to check if they were breathing. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm wake up, I'm going to work like this, and I'm going, oh God. And people say, how are you doing? Man, I love my children. <laughs> and, and, and you know what they didn't do? They didn't pay rent, and they didn't help with groceries, and they didn't wash clothes, and they didn't do anything to help me. They contributed nothing. But in that moment, and at that time, and right where they are, though they gave me nothing, I would give my everything for them. And that's how God sees you. And though I would give everything, He did give everything. And we get stuck 
with, I wonder if I'm acceptable enough. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? If he loves you, who are you to not love you? At what point are you a better judge of you than he is? The final thing is, is this. You've got to accept that you don't need anyone else's acceptance to feel accepted. And all I'm saying by that is simply this. If you're convinced that God accepts you, you don't need somebody else to accept you. Listen, this is not a rude thing. You know what this is? This sets you free to love people without expecting anything in return. That's what that does. You know, one Christmas, I said to my son, I said, hey, what you want for Christmas? He said, you know what, Dad? Truth is, I've got everything. I don't need anything. I know, don't you wish you had an angel like that? I know. <laughs> but here's what I found out. Because he felt like he didn't need anything, it was easy for him to give to others. Because he was no longer focused on his needs, because he had none. Look, if you are fully accepted and you fully accept you, then you don't have needs. You look to the needs of others and therefore God fills your needs and you're able to give without expecting anything in return. That's the place that God wants to bring us. Amen? Amen. What's God saying to you today? Let's bow your heads, close your eyes with me. What's God saying to you today? I want to throw out a challenge to you. I want this week that you would spend five, six minutes in front of the mirror every morning when you wake up. And that you would say, as you wake up, as you look in that mirror, you would say, I am accepted by God. All my faults, all my strengths, who I am. And I want you to start thanking God. God, thank you. Thank you for my gifts and my talents. And thank you for my weaknesses. Because I know, God, that it means that there are other people you're going to send into my life who have those strengths. And, and thank you, God, for my background and my parents. And even if it's just for their DNA, I thank you, Lord, that I got that so that I can do what I need to do. And, and thank you, God. And, and thank you, God, for, for how I was born and where I was born. Because all of that is, is just a part of what you need to use me for in order to impact other lives. And, and thank you, God, for my passions and my dreams and my desires and, and, and all the things that make me me and the uniqueness of me. And, and thank you, God, that I'm not like anybody else. Thank you that I'm fully acceptable to you. We spend some time doing that this week, every day this week. Because here's this, I want you to imagine, what if everybody in this church really accepted themselves for who they were? How would our marriages be different? If husbands and wives simply loved each other without expecting anything in return. And they would almost compete in serving each other and what they can do for each other because, guess what? What you do to me doesn't make me who I am. God already secured that in my heart. Or what would happen if our kids came in and they just felt fully accepted and they didn't feel like they had to earn anything? 
Or, or what would happen if people saw us? And as I said, you know what? I don't know what it is about those people and that church. But every time I go there, I feel accepted. Father, today we surrender our hearts to you. And we say, God, help us to see ourselves the way you see us. And to accept ourselves the way you accept us. That we would understand and know the height and the depth and the breadth and the width of the love of God in Christ Jesus. And that we would walk out of here today, Lord God, knowing more than ever before that you love me. You accept me. You accept me as I am. Hallelujah. If you're here this morning, you've never asked Jesus in your heart before. And you, or or you, you just say, you know what?